0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640
1: Toronto. And welcome again, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for the ride. Want to reach out to uh, Savannah or Albert or a member of the crew? No problem. I'll give you the phone number right off the top, one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. And by the way, anytime you want to ask questions of, uh, of any nature when it comes to disability law, something you don't understand, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. While you're there, even before you have to enter your own question, take that time, which could be about 30 seconds, you can search uh, previously asked questions. It may be in there in the database and answered in full. So do that first. If not, leave it there. The guys will... We'll get to it for sure. We got a lot to get through in the show today, fellows, including three things you should consider when your long-term disability insurer tells you to apply for CPP disability. If you've been through that, stay tuned. You'll want to hear this information. If not, it'll be news to you, and you should catch it anyway. First, Savannah, you got something uh, pretty, pretty current, and pretty important to talk about off the top. What's going on, pal?
2: Hey, John. Yeah, I do. So typically, we talk about long-term disability insurance on this show. Of course, Albert and I are disability lawyers, but you know, we deal with insurance generally. Long-term disability is a specialty, but you know, people call us and email us because of this show and the TV show from across the country with questions about their insurance uh, uh, issues and disputes. Well, one issue, as you can imagine, that's raging right now, no one's talking about it, but it is raging, I can tell you, because I've been talking to a lot of people from from across the country is travel insurance, and I actually have just talked to someone uh, earlier today uh, with with again the same issue that I keep seeing over and over, which is this: you know, COVID hit us here at around March, okay, in Canada, uh, and uh, many people were forced to cancel their trips, and yep. many individuals suffered cancellation penalties and you know there there are no refunds but one of the major issues that we are seeing now is that insurance companies and by the way I'm not just talking about travel insurance that you purchase I'm talking about insurance you have through your credit card uh, many people have that and what they're finding out is they're putting through a claim and they're being told by their insurance companies that because you are being offered a credit by the airline or by the booking site or by the cruise you know the cruise line whoever it is mm-hmm. because yeah. you are being given a credit therefore you are not entitled to reimbursement by the insurance company yeah and what i did the first time i spoke with someone about that and the claim was worth about $6000 so it's not much in the grand scheme of things uh is you know i looked at the policy and when I looked at the policy of insurance, I was unable to find anywhere in the policy where it said that if you're offered a voucher or a credit that that disentitles you uh, from a refund from the insurance company. And, and you know, the person I spoke with earlier today, the exact same issue, and I'm seeing this wow. more and more the more I speak with people. The reason I'm raising this is because I think that people need to understand that if the insurance company in any context, whether it's disability, travel insurance, home insurance, car insurance, if the insurance company tells you that you are not entitled to get some kind of reimbursement that you believe you're entitled to, the insurance company must point where in the policy it gives them the right not to reimburse you. So in this case, in travel insurance cases, if the insurance company says that because you have a credit, which by the way, given the fact that we don't know when COVID is going to end, it's all speculative anyways, who knows if these cruise lines are going to be in business or airlines are going to be in business, these credits may not be worth anything. If the insurance company takes the position that you're not entitled to a refund or reimbursement uh, for whatever you've paid uh, for the trip, because you're being given a credit or offered a credit, ask the insurance company to tell you where it says in the policy that a credit disentitles you to a refund. And I have yet to see a policy that says that you are not entitled to a refund. So I think people should take action. They should stand up for their rights. And this is something that I think you're going to hear more and more about as people start... You know, standing up for for their rights with insurance companies, right? I mean, people pay premiums uh, for insurance, and whether again, whether it's travel insurance, car insurance, etc., people are they're paying good good money for. Whether it's through credit card charges or whatever, you have insurance, you expect to have that safety net if you need it. So we are in the process right now on this very issue and working something very big. Uh, it's going to hit, uh, I think, in the next few weeks. You're going to hear about this in the media. We are not going to let insurance companies get away with this. We've said this before with long-term disability claims. Uh, we've built up a name in this field mm-hmm. in long-term disability, and this is you know, what we do here. We answer questions, and so I field questions each and every day, as does Albert. Uh, so, John, let, let's let's move on, but I wanted to bring this to people's attention. If you or someone you know is stuck with uh, an insurance company not paying or not reimbursing them for a canceled trip when they have cancellation insurance or trip wow. interruption insurance, stand up for your rights, demand payment, and take action if they don't give you the money back.
1: Albert, we still got a couple minutes here before we uh, slide into our first break. What's going on on your side?
2: Yeah, I was
3: going through one of my client's disability files, and I found an email that I thought was just ingenious that uh, she ended up sending to the insurance company, and it was kind of a good reminder that I thought I should put out there that uh, as much as you can, you want to try and put your correspondence in writing to the insurance company. So many times we hear that uh, the adjuster might be speaking to a person one way and then writing something a different way. Often they're pretty nice when it when it comes to written correspondence, but then when they actually speak to them over the phone, they're actually quite rude. And so what my client said, uh, I didn't come up with it, but I thought it was great and uh, thought I'd like to pass it forward. She wrote, I would like to correspond by email communication with the insurance company about my claim. I authorized the insurance company to correspond with me at the email address listed above I understand that any communication with the insurance company may contain my personal information, including but not limited to medical, employment, and financial information. And I understand that email communication is not a secure form of communication and that confidentiality of any email cannot be insured. I understand that I have the right to revoke this authorization at any time. And I thought that was great because uh, really, really it's kind of forcing the issue and it's forcing the insurance company to now document everything that they are saying to you. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you allow them to speak with you over the phone, which is fine, that's usually how um, how insurance companies and people interact. Then, uh, then, then it becomes a lot tougher them for them to uh, say one thing and do another. Yeah. So, just just a reminder: try and get everything in writing, especially if you're um, if you're making any efforts to, so let's say, call uh, call your. Uh, call your own doctor to make an appointment. It's always good if you have that in writing because then if the insurance company says, hey, uh, you haven't made any efforts to try and go see someone or go get a letter, you can say, actually, I have, and I did it on this date.
1: So... Good stuff, guys. Let's, uh, let's take a short break here. Get back into it. Lots more to discuss. If you want to reach out in the meantime, disabilityrights.ca is the website. The phone number, one 855 821 The Disability Law Show continues. This is Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio
1: 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show, reaching out really simple, toll-free, always one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. website disabilityrights.ca, and the email address put help at in front of that, help at disabilityrights.ca. Savannah, take it away. What else you got, pal?
2: Well, John, uh, since you mentioned MyDisabilityQuestions.com, uh, let's, let's go to that. I'll, I'll tell you about a question I recently received. This one is from Rob, and uh, he asked the following. He said, I've been on LTD for three years. Two attempts to return to work have failed. Long-term disability insurers threatening to cut me off due to being unable to retrain for something new. Inability is due to stress, depression, financial stress, and the need to relocate for training or education. At this point, it's feeling like constant harassment. Is it possible to receive a buyout from the LTD or my employer, so at least I won't feel that constant stress from them anymore? I'm not sure if this is something I should approach them about. This is interesting, John, because, again, you know, it brings to the forefront how much people are under the gun with insurance companies. You know, They're struggling with their own illnesses, their own injuries. They're trying to get better. Their doctors are helping them or trying to help them to get better. And here you have the insurance company that is supposed to be in their corner and their safety net, exerting extra pressure on them. So for long-term listeners and new listeners, let's break this down. Rob says he's been on LTD for three years. For people here who have listened to us before, you know that in the vast majority of cases with long-term disability, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to show that you are unable to do the essential tasks of your own occupation. You need your doctors to back that up, uh, and clearly Rob has been able to prove that. But he's been on LTD for three years, right? Beyond the two-year mark, to continue getting LTD, you have to demonstrate that you cannot do any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. It's a much more difficult test. Now, Rob has been on LTD for three years, which means he satisfied that test, which means that somewhere along the line, the insurance company agreed that he cannot do any occupation because of his disability. In addition to that, Rob's telling us here that he's already tried twice to go back to work, and that's failed. And now he's being threatened to be being cut off LTD if he doesn't, if he's unable to train for something new, for some new occupation. That is preposterous. That is absolutely, that's egregious conduct. And and I'll tell you this, John, the reason why that's important is because in some cases, when we get involved, we force the insurance company to pay our clients what they're owed under the policy. So company says, we're going to deny your claim, or we're not going to pay you long-term disability, or we're going to cut you off. We get involved, start a legal claim, within weeks or months, we force the insurance company to the table, and we settle. In some cases, though, and this appears to me just on the surface to be one of those cases where the insurance company's conduct is egregious. It's not just not good, it's really, really bad. And the reason why that's important is because judges in the past where they've had cases come in front of them where insurance companies acted in an egregious manner, in high-handed manner, in, in a way that is really, really bad... They've hit insurance companies with punitive damages. That means that they awarded extra money that the insurance companies had to pay to individuals for the bad conduct uh, that they were accused of. This seems to be the case here. And this is really important to understand that an insurance company doesn't have the right to simply force you to do something against medical advice. They don't have the right to bully you. They don't have the right to victimize you. They can't do any of that. They can only do it, by the way, If you don't stand up for your rights, and if you let them do it, which is why what Albert said last segment is really important, document all your communications with the adjuster in writing via email. Now, I want to address the second uh, question that Rob had here, which is a buyout from the LTD insurer. I do have people contacting me probably on a weekly basis asking, uh, you know, they say, I've been on LTD for five years, six years. Should I, is it a good idea for me to approach the insurance company and ask for them to pay me a lump sum into the future, let's say that uh, you know, you're know you 55 years old, you're getting $3,000 a month, that's $36,000 uh, uh, a year, and they say, listen, can I approach my insurance company and say, if you pay me 100 grand, you know, let's say that's worth three years worth of LTD, uh, then I will sign a full and final release. And I tell people, be very careful about approaching the insurance company for a lump sum payment because in their minds, when you ask them that, they're going to think, why are you asking it? Why are you asking it? Do you have a job lined up tomorrow? And so you may attract unwanted attention. So you have to be very very careful of approaching your insurance company, you know, for a buyout because you may get more than you bargained for and I'm not talking about money. Uh and, hmm. and you know, just generally speaking, I want to make sure people understand Rob's email here or his question that was posted on our on our website, that's unfortunately uh, a very common scenario where the insurance company is bullying someone to go back to work in many instances, you know people will contact me say Look i can 't work, my doctors agree i can 't work, but the insurance company says that if i don 't try to go back or if i don 't retrain, then they 're going to cut me off benefits. Look, if your doctors are telling you you 're not ready to go back to work and you know that you 're not yet ready to go back, do not go back. And make sure you tell the insurance company and you provide the insurance company with medical support, with letters from your doctors confirming that you're not ready to go back to work. If despite all that, the insurance company cuts you off, you got to call us. In fact, I would say call us before you're cut off. Call us when they are pressuring you so we can tell you what you need to do. And this is what we do, John. We give people advice day in and day out for free. Because ultimately, if we can help individuals out there stand up for their rights and make sure that insurance companies don't bully them and that they can push back, we've done our job. So for everyone out there, don't feel like the, 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 you know, this is the end. Don't feel like the insurance company can do whatever they want. They can't do whatever they want. Uh, there are laws in this country. Insurance companies have to abide by those laws. And we can teach you and give you the power you need to enforce your rights against the insurance companies.
1: That's the number we're talking about. The email address help at disabilityrights.ca. Use both those. We'll take a short break. Be right back at it. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program.
0: Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: And welcome back, indeed, Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. Thank you for joining us for the show again uh, this weekend. The number is toll-free, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Website is disability. Rights. yeah, I know you got one more matter to talk about, Savannah, before we get into our topic for the afternoon. I know Albert's probably got some comments as well. So, uh, take it away, pal. Take it away.
2: Well, John, uh, this is interesting, and I'm going to keep my comments short because I want to get Albert's thoughts here. And if, uh, if you let me, I'll talk the whole hour. Uh, <laughs> so this is a 63-year-old individual who was denied long-term disability by, uh, one of the biggest insurance companies in the country. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, I'm not going to give you too much information about this person, except to say that uh, the doctor this person's doctor uh, uh, says that this individual is unable to work because of their condition. Apparently, the reason for the denial of LTD was that the person was told to instead of claiming LTD, they should claim the Serb or unemployment insurance. This is despite the fact that that person has a condition that disables them from working and their doctors agreed with that. You understand? You understand what's happening here? The insurance company here is taking advantage of a government-funded program that is not built for this. You know, and this is crazy to me because it basically tells me that either the adjuster that was communicating with this person uh, doesn't understand what the CERB is for or unemployment insurance is for, or they are purposefully trying to deflect from their own obligations. Remember, long-term disability insurance is there to protect you in the event you cannot work because of a disability. If you qualify under the policy, if you're disabled from working under the policy, you should be able to get LTD. And here you have the insurance company saying, no, you should instead go and apply for the SERB or unemployment insurance. This is a first for me, and I, I, I'm just I'm just appalled by it. Albert, any thoughts on that? Well, it's it's
3: crazy. I, uh, Trudeau actually actually mentioned that people who are taking advantage of the SERB and aren't actually eligible for it may have to pay it back. So now you have an instance where an insurance company is giving advice to someone that they should apply for this term when, uh, when the government is readily, uh, readily giving it to people and they may not even be eligible for it. So they now, now may have to pay it back, not to mention the fact that they're not applying for LTD D benefits, so they're uh, eventually going to have to apply. They may, uh, they may miss out on the opportunity to apply altogether or at the very least their application is going to be delayed. Why would you not apply right away? Even if it is an offset in the policy, meaning that uh, you can't collect CERB and LTD, at the very least, you might as well be applying, get your application in, find out whether or not you actually meet the test for disability, find out whether or not the insurance company is going to approve you so that when CERB uh, is no longer there, you have your LTD to kick in. Because now what's going to happen is you're going to apply for the CERB, you'll probably get it, you're not going to know if you're going to have to pay it back and then once, uh, once you stop receiving the syrup, now you're going to have to wait another four or five, six months just to find out whether or not you're going to get LTD. That's four or five or six months that you're not going to have payment. I think that's ridiculous and it's terrible advice.
2: Yeah, John, I mean, I, I completely agree with Albert and, and you know, what's more is, is that you know the insurance company here is actually giving advice, which to me at least seems illegal. Unless they misunderstood what's happening here, they're giving bad advice. But this comes to, or this brings us to a general point, which I keep saying, again, in the context of travel insurance, home insurance, long-term disability insurance, do not take what the insurance company says at face value. You have to check and validate everything they tell you. Listen, if the insurance company says, we're going to pay you, well, then that's great. You don't have to check that. I mean, you're not going to question them paying right. you. Yeah. But if the insurance company tells you, we're not going to pay you, you have to dig and ask why. And I, I I say the same thing for people who contact me about mortgage insurance, uh, about life insurance, critical illness insurance. If you are being told that you do not deserve certain monies under the policies and and you believe that you do, you believe you've paid premiums for those policies, dig in, do not let go. Because if you let go and you don't inquire and ask and potentially bring a legal claim within the specified time period, which... In most instances, it's two years from when you were denied in the, f- the first place. You potentially would be out of luck to, uh, you know, to 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 start uh, a legal proceeding. So you have to understand. Do not simply take what the insurance company is telling you at their word. You have to check and validate.
3: I was just going to say, incidentally, uh, ties into my first point. If they are giving you this bad advice, get it in writing. Uh, it's going to look terrible wow. when it goes before a court if they're if they're giving you this terrible advice, telling you to apply late when really that's not. Uh, they're not in the position to actually do that. Get everything in writing if you can.
1: And I think it's 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 kind of nasty. Like you said, uh, you know, you're not sure if it's illegal or not. But directing people over to the CERB, I mean, you, you think whether you're going to have to pay it back or not? Well, that's why it's done through CRA because they're you bet they're keeping tabs on who's actually allowed to have sure. this money. And it's going to be a, a boulder over your head if all of a sudden you, I didn't know this. I got to pay back two thousand dollars times three months. Like it's going to be brutal.
2: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, every, all, everything you're saying and Albert's saying is absolutely right. Uh, but again, it's just it's amazing to me that it, you know, it's not just a person off the street that's telling this individual to apply to the SERB and unemployment yeah. insurance. It's the insurance company that has an obligation to cover this person. That person is disabled under the policy. It's one thing for the insurance company to say, we don't believe your doctor, there is insufficient medical documentation. I mean, we can deal with those kinds of issues. It's the first time that I have seen an insurance company take the position, not that, uh, you know, you don't qualify for LTD, not that your doctor's uh, uh, letters are not sufficient that they're saying instead of denying your claim, they're telling you go and apply for the CERB and, and unemployment insurance. To me, that is just ludicrous. It's inappropriate. It's wrong. And I really hope the government is keeping tabs on these insurance companies who are doing this because they should be paying any penalties.
1: Let's take a short break, guys. Lots more to get through, including three things you should consider when your long-term disability insurer tells you to apply for CPP disability. We'll cover that after we take a short break. In the meantime, one 821 5900 The number, email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. This is the Disability Law Show right here, Global News Radio. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. You want to reach out a couple of different ways. You can go to, uh, especially for free questions and answers about LTD. Check this out, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can do that. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca. You can listen to past shows and uh, find links and shows of our TV, uh, television nature, the TV show that we do as well. You'll find that there. Uh, And of course, phone number, 1 855 821 5900. Guys, want to get into this? We've been, uh, Waiting for, and that is three things you should consider when your long-term disability insurer tells you to apply for CPP disability. That's your Canada Pension Plan. Do you have to apply, and what happens if you don't? Number one.
2: Let me start with this one, and uh, we'll get to Albert's uh, thoughts as well. This is a question mm-hmm. we uh, we come across, you know, quite frequently. Uh, People will email me or call me and say, my insurance company, you know, I've been on LTD for six months, a year, two years, whatever. My insurance company now says I have to apply for CPP disability. Do I have to apply? And people say that because, you know, they don't want to have to bother with forms and uh, they're afraid of what's going to happen if they don't comply with the request. So, here's what you need to understand. In most LTD policies that I have seen, there is a provision that entitles the insurance company for a credit for any CPP disability that you receive, and you have an obligation to apply for it. And if you don't, uh, then the insurance company, what they typically do is they say, okay, well, we'll estimate how much we think you ought to receive from CPP disability, and we'll reduce your monthly LTD entitlements accordingly so you know let me give you an example here a simple example let's say john that you're getting two thousand dollars a month for ltd and let's say that if you applied for cpp disability and you got approved you'd get a thousand dollars a month from cpp disability you don't get now a thousand plus a two thousand from ltd for a total of three thousand you still get two thousand but the insurance company now only has to pay you a thousand bucks because they get a credit for whatever you get from cpp disability so people then ask well then why do i need to apply for cpp disability well, you know, there are various reasons for that, and Albert's going to cover that in the next uh, uh, point. But I'll tell you this. If you do not apply, you can expect the insurance company to potentially uh, uh, reduce your LTD benefits by what they think you should be getting. Or, in some instances, I have seen insurance companies take the position that by not applying after they've requested that you apply... Uh, that you've breached a term of the policy that obligates you to apply, meaning that they'll take the position that you're no longer entitled for LTD at all. Now, we can deal with those kinds of claims. I don't think insurance companies are allowed to cut people off, but we've seen that happen. If it's happened to you, please contact us and we'll help you. But you have to understand that if the insurance company tells you to apply, you should apply for long-term disability benefits. That's really the crux of the message here.
1: Let's get to the second one, guys. I'll throw this one your way now. What are the benefits of applying for CPPD? I mean, what happens if you get it, and what happens if you don't? Well,
3: it's great for a number of reasons, John. Uh, for one, uh, it actually is a very similar test to the test that these insurance companies use. So as Savannah spoke about earlier, uh, usually mostly standard policies for the first two years is a question of whether or not you can do the tasks of your own job. After two years have passed, in order for you to get paid disability benefits and for them to continue to pay your monthly check, you need you need to establish that you can't do the tasks of any job for which you're easily trained, educated, or suited for. And we spoke about what that actually means and how it's a confusing, confusing sort of test, but the reality is it's very similar to the CPPD test. And the CPPD test is that you have a severe and prolonged disability. So, if you end up applying and if you get approved, uh, the chances—the uh, chances of an insurance company being able to say that you don't meet their test, but you do meet the service Canada test for CPPD—is uh, very, very slim because they're very similar tests, and uh, judges and courts actually look at that. Incidentally, incidentally as well, uh, you also. Uh, you also get to put your best foot forward when you are applying for CPPD. So they're not, they're not going to speak to your doctors. They just look at what, uh, what sort of medical documents you're sending them, which is a very positive thing because you can put your best foot forward. You can make sure that all of the docu- doctor documents that you're sending in are positive ones that are going to help your case. And then lastly, uh, if you do get CPP disability and then you end up getting cut off a of benefit you still get a monthly amount every single month. So that's going to help you kind of tread water while you, while you, while you decide to dispute your claims uh, with the insurance company. So I think, generally speaking, you always want to apply. Apply early, uh, and, uh, and that way you've satisfied your obligations under the policy, and it also benefits
1: you if you do end up getting the benefit. Savannah, so we've got about a minute here. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I agree with everything that Albert said. I mean, you know, yeah. there is a lot more upside than downside to applying for CPP sure. disability. Uh, it, there's a lot of benefits, and I'm sure there are even more benefits than we had outlined here. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you feel really strongly about not applying, you could still not apply. No one can actually force you. Just understand that if you don't apply, uh, you know, you may potentially uh, create a situation where the insurance company reduces your payments or cuts you off. Again, yeah. we may be able to help you with that. In fact, we probably will. But instead of finding yourself in that situation, apply for CPP disability. Do what Albert has said. You're going to get more benefits out of it than, than no benefits. You know, listen, if the government approves you, it means that they agree that you are disabled. So you're not doing anything wrong by, by you know, applying for CPP disability. There is, there is an agreement between the insurance industry and CPP, the government. They know what is happening here. It's not like the insurance company is okay. doing something wrong by asking you. So I think that you should be applying.
1: Guys, the three things you should consider when long-term disability insurer tells you to apply for that CPP, we'll get to the third and final one. After a short break first, though, we'll get into it. Uh, the number to reach out while we go to break, toll free to reach the fellas and member of the team, 1-855-821-5900. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. This is the Disability Law Show. It's right here, Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily
1: reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show. We're back at it here. And if you uh, were with us before the break, you were listening to the three things you should consider when your long-term disability insurer tells you to apply for CPP disability. And the third and final one is this, guys. What should you do if your adjuster tells you to apply?
2: Well, uh, John, first of all, you should apply, as we've discussed in the last segment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had a conversation amongst ourselves here at the firm, uh, our disability group, about this very question. And, you know, there is a consensus that was formed, which I think uh, is important for the public out there. If your adjuster is telling you to apply for CPP disability, they're not doing this because they care uh, if you're disabled or not. They care about the fact that if you apply and get it, then that's less money that the insurance company has to pay. Sure. But, you know, as we discussed already, to get CPP disability, you have to show that you, in fact, are disabled. You have a severe and prolonged disability. So how about this, uh, to to turn it on its head uh, f- for these adjusters, if you're a claimant or if you know someone who is a, an LTD claimant that has been asked by their adjuster to apply, I think the claimant should shoot back an email to the adjuster saying, do you believe that I should get accepted for CPPD if I apply? Because if the adjuster says no, well then that makes the request stupid, right? Like, what's the point of right. the adjuster asking you to apply if they don't think you're going to get it? But if they respond back to you saying, "Yeah, we think you, that you, you know you should be able to get it," well then, you know, think about that. They've now confirmed in writing that they think that you would qualify under that test of CPP disability. They, in other words, they think you are you have proven or can prove that your disability is severe and prolonged. And why that's important is because if down the road they cut you off on the basis that your disability uh, is not significant enough for LTD, you just get that email, right, that, that the adjuster had sent you a while back saying, no, they think that your disability is in fact severe and prolonged. So this is a nice little tactic that I think is important here because you know, oftentimes adjusters speak from both sides of their mouths. On the one hand, they'll say, yeah, we think that you are disabled enough to get CPP disability. And then a month down the road, they'll say, oh, no, we're going to cut you off because you're not disabled enough from working. Can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. But by being able to get this in writing from the adjuster, you could potentially have ammunition down the road that we could use in advancing your claim against the insurance company. Again, remember, the insurance company is there to make money. And one of the ways they make money is by reducing what they have to pay you or not paying you at all, and by collecting premiums for cases where they're not going to have to pay out on. That's how they make their profits, right? Or, or a lot of the profits. Yeah. So, so that's my advice. Your adjuster tells you to apply for CPPD, no problem. Email back asking the adjuster, "Do you think that I should be approved? Do you think that I am disabled enough that CPPD will approve me?" And once they send you back an email saying, "Yes, I do. I think that," store that email away for future use.
1: Albert, any comment?
2: No, I I agree. I think that's uh, I think that's an ingenious
3: way to kind of provide some ammunition for yourself down the road, uh, and really, really really kind of undermines them if if they if they end up kind of playing into the bait so definitely do that
1: let's get to an email guys we got a couple minutes here to go before we uh before we break fiona you're up says uh Guys, my husband has advanced osteoarthritis and inflammation and has applied for long-term disability. He was initially approved late last year, but when the adjuster kept asking for updates from the doctor, which we provided, but because of COVID, there has been significant delays recently getting another update. Uh, We're trying to book an appointment with his specialist, but the adjuster said that unless he gets an update by the end of July, my husband's benefits will stop. We don't know what to do. We are doing our best to schedule the appointment, but the specialist is backed up. What can we do? Is there a way to avoid his benefits stopping?
2: Well, Fiona, let, let me let me answer your question really uh, simply here. There's no way to stop an insurance company from cutting off benefits. You know, you, you can't do that because if they put a stop on it and the benefits end, then that's what happens. That said. If they dared to do that just because your husband can't get the updates from the specialist, given this whole COVID situation, trust me when I tell you that when we get involved, we will either get them reinstated ASAP or the insurance company will come to the table begging to try and get a resolution to this claim because it is a just a a completely ludicrous situation here. Uh, for, 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 for the insurance company to say that if we don't get an update, when when really your husband is trying to get an update, but the specialist can't get it to them, that trust me when I tell you, no judge is going to ever side with the insurance company here. That's just absolutely crazy, Albert. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. I've seen this happen a few times already, but generally speaking, insurance companies are are, are a bit smarter than that. It's it's the it's the one-off that I see that that says that to a claimant, uh, but generally they don't do this. This is just too stupid to do. I think.
3: Uh, It would be be very, very dumb for them to cut you off on that basis, and really at that point they're risking a bad faith claim against them, which is what every single insurance company wants to avoid. No one wants to be slapped on the wrist by a court, and this really is exposing them to doing that.
1: All right, guys, let's uh we'll take that break. I know we're a little early, but that's okay. We got more emails to go, so we want to save some time on the other side. In the meantime, wanna reach out to the guys. Free questions, answers about your L T D. Simple, my dot com. The email address to reach out after the show is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And that email address we use here each week is help at disabilityrights dot More of those coming up on the disability law show. This is Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: And we are back. Thanks for hanging in. Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. We'll try to get to another email or two before we wrap for another day. Help at disabilityrights.ca, by the way, is the email address. And the number to, uh, to reach the firm, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 Daniela, you are up next. Thank you for your, uh, your time in the email. It says, guys, my friend was denied long-term disability and tried to appeal twice and was rejected both times. She has chronic migraines and eyesight issues. I've told her to reach out to a lawyer, but she keeps saying that she has no money to pay, so she's just about ready to give up. Can you or someone in your office help her without charging her first?
3: So, Daniela, we do this all the time. In fact, this is really kind of our business model. Uh, We always speak to people because we know that usually usually and quite often it's going to translate into business for us. In fact, I usually talk uh, with about two or three people per day, and we never charge them anything up front. Really, the goal of the first conversation is to help you assess what your rights are. I'm never going to pressure you to sign up. If after our conversation you don't want to proceed, no harm, no foul. Uh, but then, if you do want, decide you want to proceed great really really what i 'm going to try and do during our first conversation is find out what these different issues are uh, and kind of advise you where where I, where I can help, advise you what you can do to help yourself and then at the end of the day, it's your decision to make how you want to proceed. If you don't feel like a legal claim is for you, you haven't really lost anything by speaking to us. So please, please, please do call. You might as well find out what your rights are, how long everything's going to take, uh, what your chances of success are. Uh, we're, 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 we're never going to lie to you. We're never going to sugarcoat anything. I don't think it does any uh, anyone any, any service or any justice to do that. If you don't have a claim, I'll tell you up front. But if you do have a claim, you might as well know
2: yeah john you know i uh, i albert said that it's our business model you know uh, early on and this doesn't just doesn't just apply to 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 our group disability group but to leors group the employment side right the employment lawyers in our firm you know we've realized early on that that the old ways of doing business for lawyers is out the window uh, you know, to, to charge someone hundreds and hundreds of dollars for advice that we can literally give out in minutes, it makes no sense. Frankly, I think it's unfair. Now, sometimes we can't help you. Sometimes we simply cannot help you, and we'll tell you, we cannot help you. That does happen, right? Sometimes, believe it or not, insurance companies are correct in denying claims. But nonetheless, we're gonna explain to you why it is that they, that we cannot help you, or why it is the insurance company is correct. Uh, but in many instances, people have questions that just require a simple yes or no or a simple answer or simple clarification. I mean, just yesterday, John, I probably answered about 15 different emails from people, again, across the country. And I'm talking about BC, Alberta, in different places about long-term disability. And sometimes they want me to look at a document. Look, I can easily shoot them an email saying it's going to cost you 500 bucks for me to look at this. I don't do that. Albert doesn't do that. We are here to give information. And if at the end of the day, we can give you the information you need and you don't need us, you can resolve the issue yourself. Phenomenal. That's great. You know why it's great? Because you benefited and you'll tell everyone else that we're great guys, which I think we are. On the other hand, if if you really need our help and we'll tell you, some I've had people who said, who offered to pay us money and I said, I'm not going to take your money because I don't think I can help you. But if we think we can help you and you really need our help, you are not paying anything until we are actually in a position where we force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. So if we were wrong with our advice, and we were not able to force the insurance company to come to the table, then guess what? We don't get paid anyways. And not every lawyer does that. Not every law firm operates this way. But that's one of the reasons why we are on air. That's one of the reasons why we have the reputation we have. And that's one of the reasons why our Google reviews are through the roof. You can check those out. So again, Daniela, tell your friend nothing to worry about. Give us a call. She'll speak with me or she'll speak with Albert. She'll get the advice she needs, and we'll tell her exactly uh, what her options are. And there's going to be no no, no forcing her to do anything. She can then decide uh, herself with her family, whoever she wants to speak with, if she wants to take the next you know to take the the, the next step or not. But at least she'll have those options, and she'll feel empowered.
1: We got enough time. I think uh, a couple minutes here. go. Let's get through this last email before we wrap for the day, guys. Shauna says, uh, my good friend is 37 years old and developed an alcohol problem a few years back. He ended up applying for long-term disability and was approved, but a couple months ago, the insurance company cut him off because they say that he missed a few therapy sessions. The problem is that he's an alcoholic, but his doctor says that he's been doing very well overall. I'm afraid that ending his benefits will now make his situation worse. Can you help, him, uh, or can you help, or is the insurance company
2: right to cut him off? Shawna, no, the insurance company is not right to cut him off. I can tell you I'm handling a case right now uh, in B.C., uh, exactly or almost exactly the same scenario here, and, and here's what I did. I spoke with the individual's uh, uh, doctor, the doctor that's treating him, the clinic that is treating him, and guess what that doctor, who is extremely exper- uh, has, has a lot of experience with, with alcoholism and treating alcoholics, here's what that doctor wrote to me. She basically said that falling off the wagon for alcoholics is part of the process. It doesn't mean that they're not trying to get better. It doesn't mean that they're not complying with treatments. It's just that that's part of the, you know, the disease. That's part of the problem. For the insurance company to take the position that because he missed, uh, that, that your friend missed a few appointments, that disentitles him to LTD. I think that if we started a claim right now and we got the necessary documentation to prove exactly what I'm saying, what that doctor on the case that I'm handling is saying, I think the insurance company would have no choice but to come to the table and either reinstate him, putting back on, uh, put, put him back on claim or, uh, come to the table to try and resolve the case, uh, and, and, you know, pay a, a handsome settlement to 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 this person. But, John, this is, again, something that uh, is important to understand. Insurance companies will use whatever they can to cut people off. This is what we're here for, to stop them from doing that. We can only do that, though, if people contact us. If you don't contact yeah. us, we can't help you. So again, if it's you, your friend, family member, colleague, please, if you're dealing with a long-term disability insurance company, you're having a problem, you know someone who's having a problem please reach out to us. we will give you the information you need and potentially be able to help you as well. force the insurance company pay what they owe uh, what, the, what what they owe you sorry you got it.
1: Guys, good job for the uh, for the week. And now that we're done, appreciate all of your emails. If you uh, manage to get yours on the air, we, uh, we'll keep the rest of them, get to them on a future show in the uh, in the near future for sure. That email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is simply disabilityrights.ca. Free to you uh, any time to go there and listen to past shows and search out our television show as well. And the phone number one 855 toll free, you can call that anytime as well. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.